This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, before we get the show started, Horse Radio Network for the first time has a wide selection of Horse Radio Network merchandise available for the holidays. Hats, saddle pads, masks, clothing, mugs, and so much more, either screen printed or embroidered. Get your orders in now for you or your HRN listening friends. Visit horseradionetwork.com and click on the banner on the homepage today. Happy holidays, everybody. Well, good Wednesday morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma, and you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for December 2nd, episode 2567, brought to you today by Stateline Tech. And good morning, horse people. Well, one of our Swedish listeners years ago got her barn mates together and sang a classic Swedish carol. Uh, They did it in the barn, and I'm going to play it for you right now as our opener, and I have no idea what it says, but these ladies can Hopefully it's good. Yeah, they could be swearing at us. We have no idea. Here we go. There you go. That was from uh, 2015 Radiothon, and we have a lot of Swedish listeners. Now, if you got a bunch of your barn mates together and sang, would it sound anything like that, Jamie? Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that. Those girls can sing. You're a bunch of dogs barking. Mess. <laughs> well, the big news. Did you see the big news yesterday? I did. After 150 years under the ownership of the Burnett family, three properties of the 666 Ranch are up for sale now. The 6666 Ranch are up for sale, the 46's Ranch. And I got to tell you, this is big news because uh, the 46's Ranch is probably the most well-known large ranch in the country. Large is an understatement. Uh, and, of course, the 46's Ranch provides horses for Road to the Horse, which is where a lot of people heard about 46's. Well, uh, Anne Burnett Marion, the owner, died in February of 2020, and in the will, she said those three pieces go up for sale. So uh, the flagship farm, uh, let me go over some numbers with you here, Jane. Where is it in Texas? Um, all, all over, because it's half the frickin' state. So listen to this. Uh, I think it's up more towards the panhandle. Uh, uh, okay. Maybe on the west side. It's a lot of deserty area. I know that from the pictures. But it's a, uh, get this. Follow these numbers. The one ranch, you can buy, there's three separate parcels. They'd like to sell them as a whole, but they'll sell them separately in case your budget doesn't allow. Uh, the first big part is 142,000 acres. Uh, 
with 140,000 acres being native pasture, which means desert, and 1,000 acres for cultivation, which means out of the 142,000 acres, 1,000 acres you can plant crops. Um, Now, that one will cost you a measly $192 million. I'll take it. The second one is the Dixon Creek Ranch Division, which stretches into both Carson and Hutchinson counties. The whole ranch together spans four counties. In itself contains 114,000 acres of land, and for that, they're asking $137 million, a bargain. The newest, (laughs) you might be able to get this one. This one might be more in your price range, because it's only only 9,400 acres, and it's the newest addition of the collection of properties, and it was purchased by them in 2016. It's described in the sales brochure as primarily cattle-based operation, uh, similar to the Dixon Ranch. Asking price for this 9,400 acres is $12 million. Oh, well, now, this is a cheap one. Now, they'd like to sell them together for anybody who can afford the grand total of $341 million. So I was just looking at, yeah, it's up in like the 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 hat, the top hat part of the state, just south of the Oklahoma Panhandle. So uh, it's like it's right down the street. It's right down the street from you. Now, so I could get that. The thing is, the cattle operation, yeah, produces some money, but the money off this land comes from mineral rights and oil, right? Because yeah, they have oil right. wells all over it. Now, you're buying this only getting 25% of the mineral rights. It's weird. When you sell when you buy property here in Oklahoma, it was a big thing about mineral rights. And we were just like, what? You can't get mineral rights on any properties. They are already gone to families of like the The, first 10 acres of mineral rights were already belonged to somebody else. So you don't even get the mineral rights on your own property. So if they discovered oil, do they have a legal right to come in and put a well in the middle of your field? I think so. I mean, I don't know all the details because I was like, don't shoot the ground. (laughs) Texas Maybe you should up. shoot the ground, actually. Yeah, then I won't get it. <laughs> but look, the Beverly... Oh, that's true. Yeah, don't shoot the ground. <laughs> I was pictured you living that mansion in Beverly Hills. Well, listen, there's no about Taking your truck. Engine. I can picture you in the truck heading out there with all your stuff. Uh, yeah, so Texas crazy tea. to think about somebody coming on your property digging a great big hole. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't. You, you don't get the mineral rights. I mean, some properties maybe you can, but negotiate for it. I don't know. But like the guy we bought the first ten acres from, he said that he didn't even have the rights. Wow. <laughs> he bought them without the rights ten years before. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, do you like look through? The, like, hey, um, I found some oil on a property, and you have the mineral rights for it. And I know you'd come and get your it. Grand, great, great, great grandpa <laughs> had them, so you can come and get it. You know, we always drove through West Virginia and along the the highways. And I don't know if you've ever driven through the mountains of West Virginia on the highways, but uh, on the highways, you see all these pumps going up and down. I was thinking there's no oil in West Virginia. And then I found out it's natural gas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's all these, there's a thousand little pumps everywhere. Pumping. Yeah, they're everywhere yeah. in Oklahoma too. Are they? Yeah. You're probably yeah. pumping oil and gas out there. I know there's a lot of gas. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What's coming Which is up? why earthquakes keep happening. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> point is, what's coming up on today's show? We are going to talk to Kathleen Schmidt, author of The Best That Can Happen, The Grand Trek. Stops by to tell us about her coast-to-coast ride, another crazy person on the show, <laughs> Elma Garcia on Daily Dose Equine. We've got some weird news, some horse news, and building trust with your horse. What is that? I don't know what that's all about. That's my list so, for the day. Oh, gotcha. Okay, Glenn's got a list. So here we go. All right, it's not a crappy list. It's a good list today. I'm trying to change my tune. Happy birthday, happy birthday to you. 
Well, happy birthday to auditors Kara Fleckenstein. Steen? Fleckenstein. I'm going with that. Come Angela Prin- Okay, tell me how you say that last name. Prenosal. Is it Prenosal? Or Prenosil. <laughs> Adrian Hansford and Colleen Nolan Tran. Happy birthday to all of you. Colleen, yes. Colleen, yeah. We we argue about that. That's a hoof and hoof thing. Uh, no, it is not. It Nobody's is. Nobody's It is. That's America. <laughs> All right, my daily Winnie goes out to all of the healthcare providers all over the world at this point because life is crazy. Glenn, I didn't tell you what I did this morning. I woke up. There's an urgent care center that opens up at seven o'clock in the morning. Not and for pets. I, this is for people, right? Now, you yeah, know, yeah, okay, good. And I, I am going to go to California this weekend, so I wanted to get a COVID test. And well, Abby, you can't too. get it that quick, can you? Well, they have the quick ones. If and so, I called yesterday and I was like, "Hey, I want to get a COVID test and I need to make an appointment." They were like, "Oh, yeah, we don't yeah, do appointments don't do for that. that. Sure. You have to show up here." And we open at seven, and the line starts forming at around six fifteen. <laughs> and I was like, "What?" So, oh, God, I, mean, I hope I, it wasn't as cold as it was here last night. It was twenty seven in Florida last night. <laughs> it was it was pretty cold. We were bundled up. It was like waiting for concert tickets when I was a kid, or like Black <laughs> Friday sales, you know. And so we we head to the urgent care. I wanted to get a COVID test because I'm going to see Monty this weekend. I just want to make sure, like, uh, you Do know, you need I'm one to get into California right now. They're pretty strict. I don't think so, but okay. I don't know. But I, I have one just in case. So I went and got that done this morning. And, um, you know, I, I just trying to be healthy and responsible. And so Abby and I got up super early and we got there at six and there were already people there. Wow. So they only do 35 of those instant, ta- the like quick rapid tests, they call it. That's all their so, lab can do, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So they had 35 of them. I already got my results. Yeah. I mean, it was like almost instantaneously. By the time I got home, I already had the results and I'm negative. So I've got a clean bill of health to head out to California to see Monty. But the best part was uh, the, the the young gentleman who's taking all my information. He's like, have you been exposed? Have you done this? Have you done this? Why are you coming in to get the rapid test? And I was like, well, um, I'm going to spend the weekend with an 85-year-old man. And I felt like maybe I needed it. And I was like, oh, God. That didn't come out right. <laughs> I'm not like spending the weekend with an 85 year old man. I was like, hold on, wait, stop, let me back up. <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> so good news is I'm clear. But he actually said he said Is that, Abby going too? Was she clear? Yeah, she's yeah. clear. She's going too. So we're gonna go to the horse sense and healing clinic and and work with some veterans and first responders and some horses and take a look at the horses they have been training there. And it's just gonna be a fun weekend at Flag. Yeah, you don't want to be the one responsible for killing an equestrian legend. No, no, exactly. <laughs> I was like, I gotta get this that's not good. out. I just felt like it was kind of responsible. And everybody says how horrible it is. And I thought personally that when I got the flu test, it was worse. Uh, did, I just laid did back. They did the nose one. Eyes. They did the throat one on me both times I went to the hospital. They did the nose one. Okay. Oh, they, they poke your brain. Yeah. And, and I think I built it up so like I, I it was like three in the morning I was awake because I was so nervous about it. <laughs> um, but I went and got it, and um, it was so funny. You know, people are so funny. So, you know, everybody's kind of sitting in their car because it's freaking like 38 degrees outside. And everybody's in the car. We, we were the second car there. So there's one car and then we drove up and then somebody else drives up and then somebody else drives up. And then like the fifth car comes. Everybody gets out, right? <laughs> we're all kind of like 
watching. <laughs> and the fifth car is this lady, and she pulls into the handicap spot directly in front of the door, gets out with her little folding chair, walks up to the front door. Now, mind you, she's not the first car, and they only do 35 tests. She walks right up to the front door, sits her chair down directly in front of the front door, facing the wall. Like facing the She's un- not gonna look at the, you the people. locked door. No, don't talk to her. Don't look at her. And so then we're all like, "Crap, crap." So then the second car got out. And then we, and I was like, "Everybody Abby, ran go, for go, it." Go. <laughs> so we were like fifth in line, even though we were the second car there. It was just so funny. And then all these other people kind of line up, and and so I said to the guy, I was like, "Dude, that's crazy." That he was, he was like, "Oh, that wasn't nothing." He's like, "Monday morning, the line was around the building, and we only do thirty-five, so we had to turn people away." I was like, "Oh my!" You God. think they would have had this testing thing figured out by now? That is a big disappointment of this whole thing. It is worse in some states. You can't get well, a test. He said that basically they used to do a hundred <laughs> tests a day. But they're so short-staffed, he said, and, you know, there's not that many tests, so they limit it to 35 a day. He was like, otherwise, that is all we would do all day long is test Did people. you have to pay yourself for this one? Uh, I don't know. I have an insurance, so oh, I just... Okay, I didn't know if it covered it. And then I did the rapid the <clears throat> test to, to see if I have the antibodies, because yeah. I feel like I had it back in February. Yeah. So I don't have the results. I'm 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 refreshing my military uh, info center that beneficiary might take a while service website. Yeah, that yeah. might take a while. I, they said it took 15 minutes. I'm just waiting for them to like plug it into the computer. It'd be interesting to see because you were really the whole family was really sick. So that'll yeah. be interesting to see if you had it. I, they did it on me before I went in the hospital that antibody test also, and I have not had it. So, oh. um, all right, let's uh, let's continue with the show. I have some new stuff here for you all. Or did we do your daily winning? That was my daily winning. Oh, that was your daily winning. That's right. <laughs> uh, just these poor healthcare workers yeah. that are just, oh my gosh. And so I said to the woman who's going to stick the thing up my nose, I was like, is this bad? Is this terrible? Am I going to hate this? She goes, that's oh, not that bad. I have it done every two weeks. I was like, what? <laughs> she was like, yeah, every two uh, weeks. And now I can really breathe really well yeah, on my right nostril. <laughs> <laughs> I almost wanted to go back and be like, can you just knock down the left side too? So I can, <laughs> cause now I'm uneven. <laughs> I can't breathe out of my left nostril, but my right one's perfectly clear. All right. Some news in the horse world. How the, uh, the International Museum of the Horse, the Kentucky Horse Park, is a really, really cool place. If you go to the Kentucky Horse Park, you have to visit it. It's a one of a kind in this country. And we've had a good relationship with them for years. They've been on the show many times. And they came out with something that, uh, that is extraordinary. They came out with a website that's called Chronicle of African Americans in the Horse Industry. Now, they've always had an African American display there, but to put it, to take the time they did to make this really nice site uh, is so cool. Um, and they did a little, uh, teaser for it, teaser trailer or a video, but the audio is good on this, and they asked me to play the audio so you guys have an idea of what this is, and uh, so you can go check it out yourself. But here is, uh, here is the teaser from the International Museum of the Horse. Welcome to the Chronicle of African Americans in the Horse Industry. The mission of this website is to document and archive the history of African Americans in the horse industry expand the knowledge of the people, places, and events, and interpret these experiences as included in the fabric of American history. To learn more about the lives and times of the people, why their stories have gone unrecognized until now, and their experiences working with horses, visit stories. Select the theme that interests you. 
To learn more about an error, click the link in the sidebar and check out the timelines. All stories are tied to people profiles. Learn about a person by reading their brief biography. Every profile includes resources with links to original documents and recordings where available. To see all the horses, equine events, and organizations this person was involved with, view each tab on the related research below the profile. Do you have a story to share or information to fill in the gaps? Check out the share page. Are you an African-American who works with horses? We want to include you. No matter what your level of expertise, equine discipline, or location, start the conversation by filling out the contact form. You can contribute digital files of photos, documents, awards, and memorabilia. Oral history recordings are also welcome. We'll help you tell the most complete story possible by gathering information about your items and your stories. The contributor agreement explains that you remain the owner of the items and you allow them to be published on the Chronicle website. Stay in touch and receive updates about the Chronicle by signing up for the email newsletter. The entire website can be used as an educational research tool. In addition, Visit the page for educators to find teaching modules designed for teachers by teachers. Teaching modules are divided into elementary, middle, and high school. Each module linked to a Google Hyperdoc, which provides an overview of the module and access to its components. Teacher modules use the Chronicles website to teach state and national curriculum standards and a wide range of subjects. Each of the modules includes resources found within the Chronicles website stories, themes, profiles, and related research. Teacher representatives in Kentucky created a rubric for excellence that guided their module creation. Dig deeper with your students to explore the diversity of the horse industry. Share with them a more complete version of American history. Introduce them to African Americans writing their own history. Please give us feedback and help us improve the educational materials on this site. This project is funded by an Institute for Museum and Library Services, Museums for America, Learning Experience Grant, and these generous supporters. There you go. So go check that out when you get a chance. And uh, we appreciate them sending along the sound for that. Uh, what a great voice. <laughs> Are you so jealous? Oh, yes, I am, actually. <laughs> He's a great voice. Uh, today also is, is usually the day that the Black Rains guest comes on. Uh, but they couldn't do today, so we're going to have them on next week. So Black Rains will be here this month, uh, just not today. We'll be pushing that back a week. I have some good news for you for a change about r horse racing. Good. Del Mar wrapped up its uh, Meet Sunday, and 
No horses died in the entire fall meet. So that's good. The track success follows Santa Anita, which also ended its meet in late October with no fatalities in the fall season in racing or training. Now, what are they saying is the reason that they have? They did cut out Lasix and Uh, two-year-olds. They also, uh, they made a lot of different changes as far as certain drugs that are allowed or not allowed. Uh, They also did the jockey rule with the crops. Yep. So remember, they only allowed, you can, but there was six strikes per race and no more than two in succession. And and I think there was like so many on the backstretch. I don't remember what the exact rule was, but they did limit it uh, severely. And they, you know, they credit a lot of these regulations. Plus, they did say a bit of luck. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And also the weather wasn't rainy in the fall. You know, mm-hmm. it was pretty dry. Remember, they had a real rainy spurt in the spring when they were having all these deaths. It was it was wetter. So I think that had a lot to do with it, too. But we'll take the good news where we can get it when it comes to horse racing. And that was good news. I mean, that's huge because both of those have been plagued with problems as far as keeping horses safe. Del Mar and Santa Anita. So this is huge. Um, again, yeah, the getting rid of Lasix and two-year-olds and need to get rid of Lasix period. Then, uh, you know, they, they're on the right path I, and, and hopefully absolutely. by seeing these things working, the, the limiting the crops and everything now, maybe they'll just go, you know what? No drugs and no whips. Let's just make this fair. Well, and I think if we can get that national organization, like we talked about in the news, what a month ago, uh, it looks like that's moving along. If we can get that done, then they can make a national edict on those things. And it's not going to be a state by state track by track thing. Because uh, that well, it works so well for COVID. Uh, you know, it's yeah. working so well for racing, too. Uh, I hope that gets done. And I'm one that doesn't like regulation at all. But I think that that's one that needs to happen. I'm, I'm with you on that one. All right. Uh, it, we, we have Dr. Buzzy be back with her Dog Health Minute. And then right after that, I have the latest installment of A Look Back at Radiothon and the, uh, the tremendous songs and poems that were written for us. I am still in 2015 and 2016. I haven't gotten past that yet because there were so many good ones. Uh, we're going to listen to that and then come up with our first guest where we're going to be talking about riding cross country. Hi, this is Dr. Julie Busby with your Dog Health Minute. Hi, I'm Dr. Julie Busby with this episode of the Dog Health Minute. When is your dog considered a senior? It's a really good question. We joke about it, right? You might have seen an older person wearing a t-shirt that says, I'm only seven in dog years. (laughs) The question is, when and how do we determine senior status in dogs? Well, in 2007, there was a study done at Texas A&M University where researchers looked at the effects of height and weight on the lifespan of dogs. And you probably already know this. They figured out that shorter and lighter dogs live longer than taller and heavier dogs. So there's this general rule that senior after seven, that was kind of this campaign that a veterinary slogan from years ago, senior after seven, this general rule that after seven years of age, dogs are considered seniors. But really, smaller dogs may not be considered seniors until after the age of 10 or 11. But there's breaking news on the topic. 
The University of California, San Diego published a study in November of 2019 that looked at uh, labs and how their aging compares to that of humans, which is really interesting. It's this study of epigenetics, basically the way that an environment causes certain genes to be expressed or suppressed. And researchers were able to develop a new formula for calculating a dog's age. Essentially, what they determined was that puppyhood goes by quickly as as childhood and humans. Um, essentially, for us, every year is still 365 days. But in dogs, puppyhood goes by very quickly. And then aging seems to slow down as a dog matures. So it's kind of this higher sloped curve initially, and then it sort of plateaus off. The authors admitted that the study wasn't perfect, but it's really interesting because essentially it's the first time that we've thought about aging and dog years on kind of this sliding scale based on if the dog is really young or as they start to mature and then age. So if you'd like to see the new and improved formula for calculating a dog's age, you can visit our website at toegrips.com. Click on Dr. Busby's blog in the navigation bar, and you'll find a blog entitled, When is My Dog Considered a Senior? We are Dr. Busby's, the senior dog company. If you have a senior dog, we'd love to connect with you because our website is filled with information and products specifically for senior dogs. I hope that's helpful, and that's this week's episode of the Dog Health Minute. You have reached the Horse Radio Network voicemail line. Please leave your voicemail after the tone. (laughs) The 12 Days of Christmas, presented by The Distance Depot. On the last day of Christmas, your tax shop has for you 12 pair of riding tights, 11 SSG gloves, 10 casual fly masks, Nine Matrix saddle pads, eight VMAX heart checks, seven colorful helmets, six yummy mashes, five comfy covers, four electrolytes, three saddle bags, two hoof boots, and a tag set under your tree. Merry Christmas and happy trails. Hello, I'm Bill Officer. I want to wish everybody on the HRN Network a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I've compiled a few little parodies here to sing to you. Bear with me, this was short notice. You better look out for really bad ads and get them in soon and you might be glad because Jamie and Glenn might read them on air. Craigslist is the best place other ads may do. If it is the funniest one, they'll send a gift to you. Oh, you better practice hard. You need to jump high. You need to run fast. I'm telling you why. Because eventing season's coming to town. The judges know if you are cheating. They'll know if you're a fake. They'll judge you if you're bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. Horse poop smells. Horse poop smells. It won't go away. Oh, what fun it is to clean horse stalls every day. Thank you, God bless, and Merry Christmas, everybody. Hi, this is Nikki Lambert from New Jersey, and this is to all my friends at the Horse Radio Network. Tis the night before holiday, it's on, and I'm sitting in my house, 
contemplating and scheming, what can I do for a fun holiday shout-out? I thought maybe I would regale you with a festive song, but since I'm tone deaf, I'll save all your ears for Jamie Jennings' future sing-along. Then I thought maybe a joke to give Coach Shannon a good laugh, but if I failed to be funny, I would be horrified and aghast. I zinged my pal on how I would give this holiday cheer, trying to suppress my inner Grinch that I have all through the year. I try to stay focused to come up with a really good plan, but whether Vita and Kamala boots on my pony keep dancing through my head. I know I can't scrooge this up or get off track because Glenn will send this holiday poem straight through Friday's really bad ad. So in order for this to stay short, quick, and clever, I would like to wish all the HRN hosts, their families, and the four-legged partners peace, love, and happiness this holiday season and all throughout the year. Merry Christmas, everyone, and happy trails. Hi, this is Lynn and John from Michigan, and we're going to play Jingle Bells accompanied by Family Heirloom Real For Sure Sleigh Bells. So, here we go. sponsor state line tack for being a part of the show but remind you that they still have the sales going on if you go to statelinetack.com glenn are you there yep i'm here yep okay so they're having it's called the biggest sale of the year cyber monday and you're like wait cyber monday's over 
Well, this is the Cyber Monday hangover sale. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do some damage on Cyber Monday? Uh, no, because I had done a lot of damage right before that. So see. I th- I did too, but I you know I was like I'm gonna wait till Cyber Monday. Oh my gosh, that is the day to shop all year long. Did you get some Scrim Black Friday? Oh, I got all sorts of stuff. I did like my entire Christmas shopping, and all of my friends that have horsies are going to be receiving things from our friends over at Stateline Tech. Uh, they still have twenty percent off area footwear. Um, they have HDR tack, Circle Y saddles, Gatsby blankets tack, stable supplies at 40% off still. Lots of free things that come with purchases. 20% off Dublin boots, 20% off Cavallo. Ariat is 55% off. So at any rate, go check out all the things at Stateline Tech. Check out their Cyber Monday hangover sale. And they also have some holiday deals too. And a lot of those holiday deals include things that you will need next spring, like fly mask, Kensington fly mask are like more than 50% off. So go check them out. StatelineTech.com. Thanks a bunch. All right, let's head on over to our guest. Kathleen is with us today. Kathleen Schmidt. She's author of the book, The Best That Can Happen, The Grand Trek. And we're going to chat with her a little bit about that. It's always, you know, a lot of people are getting books this year for Christmas, and a lot of people have finished the book we're in from Lisa Waisaki. And none of them have given away the ending yet. I just got ours. Did you get yours? I have mine, yes. I'm going to read it on the plane. Hi, is this Kathleen? This is Kathleen. Kathleen, you're on with Glenn and Jamie. Thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning to you. So, morning. so Kathleen, I was reading about you, and it looks like you've been a horse girl from oh. way back and have trained in Britain and Germany. What what kind of training did you yes, over there? Yes. What, what discipline? Uh, dressage, for the most part. Also, jumping. Okay, cool. Well, that that was probably a cool experience. What? Oh, it was. When you got home, though, you got a little itchy and decided to do something crazy. And we've had a couple other crazy people that have done what you've done on the show. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, right. What did you decide to do? What is the Grand Trek? The Grand Trek is what I call my trip from the East Coast by horseback headed for the West Coast with my wonderful boxer dog, my pod protector. And that happened in 1981. <clears throat> the idea for the Grand Trek was actually born considerably before that, uh, just after I graduated from high school. I was living on a farm in far northwest Illinois in a place called Scales Mound, Illinois. Uh, population about 250. <laughs> and uh, the... Uh, lady at the farm, Harriet Hainer, we were sitting at the breakfast table one morning and uh, she said that she didn't think one of her horses by the name of Alibi would make it through the winter. And, you know, because winters in Illinois could be just vicious. <clears throat> so I'm looking at the horse and I realized she could be right. I mean, he was looking okay, but just not quite okay enough. So I suggested that she should send him down to her sister in Flor- in Arizona, who was breeding, also breeding Arabians. And Harriet said she couldn't afford that, so I made a joke and said, well, ride him down there. 
and she said she couldn't do that, but that I could. And that, what? And she stands up and goes to get an atlas and starts plotting out a, uh, you know, how you would get from Scales Mound, Illinois to Arizona, which is not how most people would respond to a joke like that. (laughs) So anyway, uh, that ended up not happening at that point in time. I was all set to go to Britain and then to college and, um, it just didn't look like that was going to work. But I did undertake this after I graduated from college. And uh, on one of uh, Harriet's horses, a uh, Arabian Appaloose cross by the name of Murphy. And Murphy... Okay, wait a minute, Murphy, wait a minute. I have to he, stop you there because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, okay. uh, Murphy... Are we getting confused? Murphy's Law. Murphy, yes. No, Murphy's Law. Yeah. I don't think I would have taken a horse yeah. named Murphy across country. Uh, well, you know, law. there were a lot of reasons not to take Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, that horse could piss me off like, you know, tomorrow. <laughs> it, uh, in, in fact, uh, so when it, I went to visit the Hainerts, one year they were starting, uh, they'd gotten heavily involved in endurance racing and they were going to hold an endurance race. So we had to clear all the fields and everything, all the livestock. And, uh, to make a prolonged story short, it took three days to catch that animal. <laughs> he was the cleverest I mean, he'd, he'd lead you into traps, he'd hide, he'd get to places that you wouldn't think a horse could get to. I mean, it, it took, he had a mare set the national, uh, the Midwest record for uh, 50 miles. They had two national uh, top 10 endurance horses. They had the national champion competitive trail horse. And we're talking some serious work and animals. <clears throat> Couldn't catch him. It, we had to call in just about everybody in the county to finally get the horse uh, circled. So <clears throat> I finally got him cornered, and Harriet goes up to him to put the halter on him, and he basically put the halter on himself. She's starting to walk him home. He breaks loose, gallops the rest of the way back to the uh, main farmstead, jumps over the fence, and he's home before anybody else. Murphy's Law was indeed. <laughs> so where'd you start the trip? Bad play. Uh, actually, at the uh, <clears throat> Lincoln Memorial here in D.C. Oh, wow. Okay. Wait, wait. Let me. Okay, hold on. So yeah, you're yeah. like, I'm going to ride across the country. Where am I going to start? I'm going to start at the Lincoln Memorial. So what did you just unload a horse right in front of the memorial and be like, giddy up? <laughs> well, no, no. Um, the... Um, publisher that I had for the book I was supposed to write back then had arranged for a bit of a send-off. National Geographic was there taking pictures and the park police actually uh, escorted us from there to uh, through a office building area just outside D.C. And uh, the first part of the truck was actually on what is now one of the main thoroughfares headed east, excuse me, west out of D.C. Route 66. It was just getting built. It was was great footing. It was, you know, sand bed and uh, straight and level. It was terrific. 
and it so was so so as part of the trip. Did you did you actually take your horse up to the Lincoln Memorial and and actually get on and start right there? Yes. Wow. That's intense. <laughs> like, I mean, I just can't even imagine the tourists around that are like, Hey, there's a horse, you know, like all of a sudden you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And, and what a yeah. bunch of pressure to have like national geographic out there when you're getting started. I'd rather have them there at the end, but like, you did it or you better do it. You know, one of the, <laughs> the, right, the first right. one sounds better. Yeah, well, you know, they wanted starting pictures. So. Well, let's right. be honest, too. We don't usually see a boxer dog doing these kind of trips. We're usually seeing some kind of, uh, you know, uh, a Sheltie or something like that doing these kind of trips, not a, a boxer. Sheltie? No, 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 no. Boxer, boxer. Oh, I still miss that dog. He, he, he saved my life and everything. Um, Harriet, again, was the one who said I should get a dog, and specifically this dog from a line of uh, boxers that she was familiar with and um, country boy by name, perfectly named and beautiful dog. And so got him in Wisconsin and uh, brought him back here and worked on his obedience and protection training in which I learned a heck of a lot. Boy, um, you know, I, I've been a professional horse trainer for a long time, and I learned so much about training in general from the guys that did his obedience and protection training. Um, I was quite impressed with them. So what was, uh, if you, I know it's all in the book, and I want people to go get the book, and, and a lot of people are buying books right now uh, for, for Christmas mm-hmm. gifts and stuff. Was there, sure. if you're going to pick out one short story in the book, that you can relate uh-huh. to us. Now, I almost want to yeah. go back to the one where the dog saved your life, but I'm not going to do that one. I want people to read the book for that one. But uh, if there's one story or one person you met, what would it be that kind of sticks out to you right Give now? Give us a teaser. Yeah. Well, there was the night that I was murdered. I feel yes, like... <laughs> Have you come back? Almost, That's a bigger story is the fact that you come back uh, now. So. Leave it with that. That sounds, is, is that story in the book? Yes, yes. Okay. The night the Kathleen was The name of the chapter murdered. is A Very Small Room. Oh, yes. goodness. Well, Who's that's said? your teaser right there. Yeah, I mean, I leave mean, it go at that. Uh, Don't go any further. Let the people read. Get the, <laughs> that got them getting the book right there. <laughs> Well, actually, the people that impressed me the most were uh, some folks that I met in Indiana um, that I went up this long driveway. What I would do is, you know, pick out a place to ask for uh, permission to camp for the night. And so I went up this driveway, and (laughs) a guy was herding a bunch of little ponies, little brown ponies, into a side field. And so I, I hung back. I didn't want to disturb their operations. And um, after he'd gotten the ponies where he wanted them, I uh, went up and said, you know, hi, didn't mean to disturb you. Um, you know. And so anyway, he says, hang on, I'll be back. And he disappears into the woods and comes back with his wife in a pickup She's driving the pickup, and I explained that I was looking, you know, could I borrow corner of their field? 
She says, oh, no, 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 you'll have to just sleep on the couch, and Murphy can stay in the um, shed that they had. And uh, so we, we, did, we end up, you know, having a lovely dinner, and uh, the, these people were about as poor as you can get. I mean, the house is barely holding together. Um, just, but they're the happiest people. And so after dinner, we were playing cards, and I noticed, hey, these cards are marked. And the wife says, well, yeah, just because Paul's blind. And I had spent hours with these people and couldn't have told that wow. this guy was blind. Huh. Wow, that's amazing. Um, uh, what a story. Yeah. And, and you're going to be writing a sequel. So right now you want to get the first, first book. It's called The Grand Trek, T-R-E-K, thegrandtrek.com. Kathleen Schmidt is the author and adventurous in this whole tale. She has been murdered, but she's here to talk about <laughs> <She's> it. <back>. So. <laughs> Kathleen, I don't want to give too much away, but thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about the book. It sounds oh, amazing. And you sound like an amazing woman and uh, congratulations on your success. Thank you very much. Thanks, Kathleen. Take care. Merry Christmas. Have a Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. She sounds just like one of our listeners who I know is listening right now, Lynn Papa. She sounds just like her. <laughs> I thought for that. a minute Lynn was pranking me. Because um, Lynn would do that. And by the way, the trumpet you heard in the uh, w- right in that uh, package I did of yeah. the previous that was Lynn. She plays the See, trumpet. That's why it was in your in yes. your brain. So you can I, go back and listen to Lynn talk, and then go back to here. So yeah, I think we've had about five or ten people over the years that have done the cross country thing yeah. on horseback. Some went well, and some didn't. <laughs> I can't imagine unloading my horse on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial and being like. Bye, guys. Hey, Zeus, here we go. <laughs> Giddy up. But, I mean, D.C. is no place for, you know, the, the, the way, faint-hearted I have never people. owned a dog that would live through a trip running around loose like that. Never. No. Never. No. No. That's amazing. So, well, cool. That's uh, thegrandtrek.com. Now, I want to tell you that our episode today is brought to, our, uh, brought to you by our friends at Equiderma. Equiderma Wound Ointment. You must have it in your medicine cabinet. It visibly amplifies wound healing, stops proud flesh from developing, minimizes scarring, reduces pain, and it keeps flies out of your wounds. You will find that with consistent use, you'll see noticeable progression of steady healing every day. Plus, it's a great treatment and regimen for common skin rashes and sores. You know, like that hot sauce, Glenn, Frank's? Yeah. When that old lady, she's like, I put that S on everything. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I feel about the Equiderma wound ointment. I put that on everything. And then I rub it into my cuticles when I'm done. They need a t-shirt. So I put this on, every, this on everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a dollar sign. You know. <laughs> uh, you can find all Equiderma products at Equiderma.com. All right. Here we go. Start weird news. By the way, none of you sent me any weird news this week, and I am irritated. You had to work. Yeah, I do had a to work. actually find all of this myself. But yeah. I'm going to start by taking. You did it this you... morning while you were waiting in line for your uh, test, weren't? Didn't you? How did you know? I just know you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to take you to uh, India first because Musumi Bora, the owner of the hostel, and Hangar Abari area of Guwahati. How that that go? 
She's not. There is like something. Oh, it's a she. I thought it was a he. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a girls' hostel, and it's a hostel in India. And Musumi was like, she thought there was like a something stuck under her sofa. Uh, and she thought it was like a piece of cloth that was soaked. So she goes to reach down underneath the oh, sofa no. to pull out whatever uh. it was. It was a, a freaking leopard. <gasps> there was a leopard that had made its way into the hostel. She and the 15 <gasps> residents had to barricade themselves in a room oh while waiting God. for police. Did she have a hand when she pulled it back zoo, out, by the way? Right before she touched it. Oh. Um, officials said it took four hours to corner the leopard and shoot it with a tranquilizer dart. The leopard fled after being hit with the dart, ended up getting out of the hostel, went into a neighbor's house before oh. the sedative took effect. He he is now at the Assam State Zoo being examined by veterinarians. He will be microchipped and returned to the wild. Would you ever be right again? Okay, I got a, I got a, I got an either or for you. Would you rather put your hand under and there be a poisonous snake or a leopard? You know what? I'll take anything except for this next one. Okay. <laughs> you didn't answer my question. I think I'd take the leopard because I think the snake would have gotten him, would have gotten her. You know, I, I just fast. think it's a nice kitty. It's a nice kitty. <laughs> it's a pretty kitty, yeah. Pretty kitty. But I'm not doing the next one, so hit okay. them, hit them. Oh, yes, hold on. I was so enthralled by your previous one. Guess what? I'm never going to Can I do. throw one other thing out there before we go on? I, a leopard would not fit under my couch. <laughs> it must have had a tall couch. All right, the, go ahead. Yeah, this <laughs> couch in the bottom, just like a chair. Um, <laughs> guess what I would never do? It's just never going to happen. I've tried, but it just doesn't work well, a for cruise. me. We did a cruise. You won't do a cruise, so I know you're that. very close oh. because not only am I going to sit on the ocean, I'm not getting in. Oh yeah, you're and not doing scuba I, diving. No, I'm certainly not going to be a diver in Australia. It's like Arizona on steroids. Like everything in Arizona wants to like, kill you. Yeah. Everything in it's Australia like the bugs wants in Florida. to <laughs> rip you apart. Yeah. So uh, there was a guy, an Australian man. And he was diving and he had a GoPro video that, and he was like, I'm going to Australian dive blokes down into the water and look around at the fish with my GoPro. And as he's swimming around, you know, with his flippers and he's got his thing, all of a sudden his GoPro catches the sight of a hammerhead shark charging him oh charging him glenn he said i was just about to adjust the camera and i just caught the shark coming out uh, of the corner of my eye he, the thing charged him he had to beat it away with his gopro and the mounting <laughs> stick it turned and came back towards him he had to shove the shark with the camera two more times before it finally left him in peace he said i was the only person in the water there are two people in the boat looking back I'm actually quite lucky, but at the time it didn't phase me because these Australian and they're all crazy. They're all crazy. What? <laughs> and said, let's let's say uh, that's a damn tough camera, the GoPro. <laughs> oh my God! Could you imagine the footage? I'm sure that you can see the footage if you, if I watch the video, but I didn't. It's too small uh, when I was swinging in line for my COVID test. Uh, but but he said. I don't want to be a statistic, mate. So next time I need to be more careful and take some more safety precautions and have another diver with me in the water. Yeah, and a bigger GoPro. Kind of British. Uh, a really big stick, maybe. Yeah. Do you know how hard it is to swing anything underwater? 
I know. <laughs> it like, sounds terrible. Yeah. Okay. So we went from a leopard to a eating a woman for hand to a shark eating this poor Australian dude. What do you Rachel got next? So we had a leopard, then we had a shark, and now we're going to start with a Florida man. No, he's last. (laughs) (laughs) Aliens, Glenn. Have you heard? I have to bring it up because it's just, I just, did you hear about the thing that popped up in the Utah desert? We we talked about on a day you weren't here, but it had just arrived that morning. The park rangers had just found the monolith in the Utah, was it Utah, right? Utah desert? It's Utah in the desert. And um, it was this like big, it's like triangle metallic thing that's coming out of the ground. And I don't think it had just arrived. They just discovered it because there's nothing out there. Um, now, once people started talking about it and found it, do you know what happened to it, Clint? Well, I heard, well, I, there was a lot of speculation that it was from aliens and all that stuff. But then there was a speculation that an artist did it who died years ago. And then I did see the other morning tell everybody what happened. It disappeared. It disappeared. Wouldn't you There's put a, a game camera or something on it after you found it to make sure nobody was fooling around with the monolith? I mean, so how did they not do something like that? I, I mean, seriously, the the BLM has said we did not remove the structure. Uh, they have been investigating who was behind it in the installations because the BLM is going to be serious investigators. Um, it's gone. Like once people found out about it, it disappeared. And come on, you don't think that the aliens were like, "Hey, suck that that thing back up." They found it. Bring it back up. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, so it does it's make you wonder crazy. whoever put it there is it the same person that took it out or is it just you know a thrill seeker that took it out? And it looked heavy. It didn't look like it was light it either. Back. It's made it's of metal. Huge. There's <laughs> even like a little cap on the ground where it like had been in the hole a hole in the ground. Yeah, no, that's aliens. Why are people still not believing this? <laughs> they literally sent a surveillance drone to the desert and are like checking time and temperature and sun and all that. I really think is some sort of like alien drone. I mean, we've all seen the Avengers. It's so as easy soon as to the travel. alien drones, drones saw people, they went, oh, they're not trustworthy. Let's get out of here. Get out. <laughs> they found it. Get yeah. out. Have you seen their world? We need to get out of here. <laughs> we don't want this one. <laughs> and this isn't weird news. This is just weird people, okay? And we're going to, of course, go to, to Florida. Florida. The weirdest Sunshine people. Sunshine State. Where everybody's happy and not stupid. Yeah, no, everybody's really stupid. And I don't understand, like, uh, first of all, why you would do this. But second of all, why this is a international news story. Okay. So um, a Florida man, (laughs) so I started as a Florida man, posted a video showing off his family's most unusual pre-Thanksgiving tradition. (sighs) Again, why is it news? But I mean, I'm I'm talking about it. So it, the guy, it's he posts a video of himself, and you know what he does before Thanksgiving? He thaws out his turkey and his swimming pool. <laughs> <laughs> he posted a Facebook video showing his family dumping their 16 pound frozen turkey into the swimming pool behind their Clearwater home to thaw it out before they cook it. What well, is said, wrapped? I, I mean, the chlorine's not going to get in it. It would probably work. That, it was closely examined for leaks before the thawing process yeah. to make sure none of the chlorinated water seeped into the meat. It will be removed after spending a day thawing in the pool. And again, I just had to go with weird people. Florida man. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I believe that's in Florida. Florida. 
And that's, that's your it. weird news that's for enough. today. That is enough. You always end with Florida Man, so I always know when we're coming to an end. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up on the Hit Parade, uh, Jennifer had a chance to catch up with a fascinating woman named Elma Garcia. And she also happens to be a Daily Dose uh, equine person who feeds Daily Dose equine like we do with Scooter. And she had a chance to catch up with her about what she does in life and her, her farm. So uh, let's take a listen to that. And we're going to be back after that with the end of the show. I'm so happy to welcome to the program Elma Garcia, who hails from both Mill Spring, North Carolina and Ocala, Florida. And uh, I'm going to have Elma introduce herself and tell us what you do with your horses, Elma. All right. Well, hi. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm a dressage rider. Uh, I'm an adult amateur dressage rider. And, uh, and my husband and I just moved from uh, California, which was like Region 7, uh, to Mill Spring, North Carolina. Uh, about the same time when games happened, that's when we arrived to uh, Mill Spring. So that was amazing. And then uh, last year, we bought a farm in Ocala, and uh, we live in the farm preservation area. So it's absolutely stunning. It's a beautiful, beautiful parkland uh, with granddaddy oaks. So uh, we're enjoying living in both places, six months up there and six months down here. Well, when you come, so, to, when you come to Ocala, Ocala is horse country to say the least. You have right. a selection of just about everything. You could get any kind of tack you want and any kind of feed you want and any kind of equipment you want. What drew you to Daily Dose Equine? Ah, um, well, first of all, I'm a foodie. So, and I love to cook. And my introduction to, uh, to Janet and Daily Dose was at the regional championships up in Lexington, uh, uh, Lexington, North Carolina, and uh, for the regional championships. And there is this woman standing behind a table with all these beautiful this green that looked so beautiful. I was like, okay, what is this? And she explained to me her whole concept of, you know, non-GMO and roasted oats, you know, so it, it didn't have mildew or, you know, dust and things like that. Anyway, I smelled everything and like, okay, it looks like I could eat it. And, uh, and I'm very health conscious. And so, and I like to eat clean. So for me, it was like, oh my God, I, you've got to come see my horses. And so she did, and she kind of gave me an evaluation of where my horses were. And at the time, I was riding my uh, 17-year-old uh, Hanoverian, uh, Vanessa, and, um, and then I had uh, a, another 7-year-old uh, filly. Um, uh, and uh, so I had the two horses I was in, that I was competing with. And so she came to see my farm and see the horses and kind of gave me her, her two cents on what she thought how her feed would help my horses. And I, I swear to God, it was like amazing. All of a sudden, in about a month, um, all of a, there's like some of the fat, little fat bumps that went away on Vanessa. And she just looked lean and clean and had beautiful um, uh, dapples on both horses. And they both had uh, two different things. One was a hotter horse. And so I wanted her to you know calm down a little bit. And so she went with um, a, the carb buster and Vanessa needed, the, needed the, the extra, the extra spice. And so she ended up going with the freestyle uh, performance. And, um, and so anyway, just really, and then I also had a mare, uh, one of my retired mares, uh, Uma, who since has passed away, but um, she, she was uh, starting to get Cushing's. And so she needed uh 
a, you know, a, a good senior uh, uh, feed that was low in sugar. So um, all of a sudden the horses came, you know, and in, in within a month, month or two months, it was like they just all changed. And so I really got sold on her product. And, and I also, the other part that was so amazing was not having to do so many supplements. I dropped the supplements way, way down. And so she goes, you don't need this. You don't need that. You don't need this. And um, I have all this in my feed. And so I just found her feed. I find her feed to be just so um, wonderful in terms of, of just being healthy. Their coats are shiny. It's, uh, it's pretty cool stuff. Well, there we go. And th- all because you developed a relationship with Janet and you got to know her and she came and helped you out in person. Yeah, in person. in person. And I was like, you need to sell your feed in, in Mill Spring. And so she started to bring some down to one of the local uh, feed stores. But, you know, not everybody gets it. And But like I said, you know, I, I like to eat clean. And so I want my horses to eat clean. And um, and so for me, it's a no-brainer. It's just, it, why wouldn't you? Well, I, I kind of had a similar experience. It's nice to know that the, the product we're giving our horse is as clean and pesticide free and GMO free as it possibly can because it contains ingredients that actually do something. Yeah. Well, exactly. You know, and when, you know, you know, I was Vanessa, I did, I did CDIs. And so, I mean, you have to be so, you have to be so careful with what your feed is and making sure there's no contamination and uh, just because of drug testing too. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing I really trust um, with, you know, with this product that like, you know, we're, hopefully we're never going to have those kind of problems down the road because, you know, she's a boutique in terms of her, of her, how she produces her feed, there we go. you know? Yeah. And so, you know, probably about two more years, uh, I've got a new batch of young mares. Uh, I've started rebuilding my team. And I, so I, like I said, I have, um, I have two four-year-olds who just turned five this year, and uh, and I have a six-year-old that I just got last year, and she's you know she's seven obviously now, but anyway, it's just been really interesting to see how all their bodies, you know, they came from Europe, they all came from Germany, and how they're developing is just you know spectacular in terms of obviously my training, but also the feed is really critical. There we go. Well, thank you very much, Elma Garcia, for spending a few minutes with us today and telling us about your experience with Daily Dose Equine. Great. Thanks so much. Well, to find Daily Dose Equine, go to dailydoseequine.com. And also, you can find all of their products at Chewy. As a matter of fact, our next bag for Scooter just arrived from Chewy. And the UPS guy hates us. So <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, dailydoseequine.com. You know who's going to hate me this, this coming week? The Amazon guy. <laughs> do you have separate Amazon drivers now? We do, too. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, every once in a while I'll see the same guy, but I don't really see him all that much. They just drop the package off by the gate. Yeah, they do I've that seen all the, They've got these Amazon vans yeah. now, and it's fancy. It's funny, because some of the Amazon stuff comes from UPS, and some from FedEx, and some from the Amazon guy. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. The Amazon guy tends to throw it over the fence. You know, doesn't yeah. come in. He just yeah. flings it over the fence, and it's pouring down rain. Yeah. yeah, I was at the bar, and the guy had a box, and he's just, like, sitting there. And I walked up, I was like, you all right? And he goes, I'm afraid of dogs. <laughs> I was like, they don't get out. There's a pile of them here. 
<laughs> All right, everybody, we're going to be back tomorrow with the driving episode with Dr. Wendy, brand new one for you. And then Friday, we're going to play some trivia. We're going to have a little fun here in December. We're going to play a little equine and holiday trivia. We have some listeners or auditors who have signed up to play. You're going to be out doing it from California, right? That's right. Getting up the butt crack of dawn, not even dawn, still in the dark, to come up here and play some trivia with you guys. That'll be fun. And of course, really bad ads. And guess what? It's prize day. We're giving away $300 to $400 in prizes. So you have two days, one day actually, by Thursday night to get your ads in. You know, I hate doing really bad ads at Monty's because I'm in the classroom basically and everybody can hear me. And then by the time everybody starts filtering in for the clinic, I'm doing really bad ads and reading them and it's horribly embarrassing. I love that. <laughs> we're going to do double the really bad ads that we normally do we're going to do triple the really bad ads that we normally do on oh, Friday God. and we're going to give away the send prizes send in your ads people please yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah that's right if we can if you want to do Jamie a favor record your own ad and send it in if we have enough we don't have to talk and so, then you get double the entries for the prizes that's true if you want to do me a favor and torture Jamie then then just send in the submissions without recording it So come on Come on, people. Let's see who they love more. We're just going to see who they love more. Speaking of love, I got your special gift in, and it will be shipped out to you today. Now, remember. Uh, Y'all send me suggestions for Glenn. Because I feel like, I I mean, I really, really, I brought it strong for the the gift package. Yes, you did. And I kind of burned some of my ideas by sending Glenn children's toys, My Little Ponies, (laughs) all those things. So if you have a a gift idea, send it to me. And there will be a crappy uh, box from my closet in December that will include the... All of those toys. All right, yeah. So uh, we're going to see who you love more by Friday. We'll check that out. Uh, So when you get this gift from me, remember... It has to be opened while being videoed. I know, I know. Don't disappoint the auditors. They're in on this. End the show. Spain, neuter, geld. We're out. So I want to talk to you. you. You said you had a lame horse. I want to talk to you about that. But we haven't talked much about this because I just haven't brought it up. But uh, we we got an RV yesterday. That's so cool. We got a camper. Now, campers have been sold out around the world <laughs> for the last six months since COVID started, and they're on back order forever. And we just got lucky. One came on the lot, a used one that was only nine months old. The people, from what we gather, were wealthy, and they took one trip in it during COVID time, and they brought it back. I don't like you guys They didn't like camping. (laughs) So we found a golf bag, golf shoes, and a whole bunch of other crap they left in there. And I could just picture these people. Rich couple. He doesn't like to be bothered with shit, right? But they couldn't stay in hotels, so they bought a camper just to do this. She said they've had more of those. People bought the camper for one trip during COVID and brought it back and, and sold it used. Now, wow. it's 10000 less than new, so they lost $10,000 doing that. But I think they bought it and thought this would be fun. They determined that camping wasn't as much fun as they thought. They were probably pulling it with the little station wagon, right? Um, and th- he didn't even empty the whole thing out. <laughs> we had to throw a whole bunch of crap away, too. So we picked what it up. What size of golf shoes? Because maybe Chad would want them. Well, you know, I took it <laughs> as luck because if you buy an old house and you're remodeling and you find a shoe in the wall... This was like the late 1800s, early 1900s. They used to put a shoe in the wall. It was considered good luck. 
So if you find a shoe on the wall, it was considered good luck. Uh, so I'm taking it as good luck. But anyway, it was only nine months old. It's like in brand new condition, and we got it for a really good price. I went in that morning. I saw it pop up. I called him and said, don't sell it in the next hour. I have a doctor's appointment. I'll be in. And I drove in without Jennifer. I looked at it and said, don't sell it till 4 o'clock. I'll give you a deposit, whatever, till Jennifer can come in. And we bought it that day. So we just picked it up yesterday. It's really, really nice. It's a good size. It's only 22 foot. Uh, most people Congrats. are buying 40 foot. But the reason I'm bringing this up with the auditors is it's still our goal post-vaccine to do this summer a month-long auditor tour. And what we want to do is visit your farm. So we just want to drive as many states as we can, visiting farms along the way. We got our camper. We can just pull in and park. Uh, so post-vaccine, Jamie knows I've wanted to do this since we started this show 10 years ago. Nobody who hosts podcasts drives to their listener's house. That doesn't happen. Oh, do you know how many auditors have already expressed interest in having, me stop, having us stop by? And Jennifer's looking forward to it because she'll get to ride horses everywhere. So I'm looking forward to it because we'll do the shows on the road. We can do the shows as long as we have an internet connection of some kind. We can do the shows from the camper. So uh, it'll be set up for that. And it'll be like a little mobile studio. And we're going to spend a month doing that this summer. So that's one of our goals. So uh, I'll announce more about that here actually in the coming weeks because we want to start planning it and you can sign up and hopefully we can uh, stop at your farm and pull in. All, all we need is electric and maybe a hose uh, and we can stay at your place. So uh, that's one of the reasons we bought it too was to be able to do that. So we're very excited about it. I'll post a picture in the auditor room. Awesome. So uh, you have to go to the vet again today? What the hell? I do. You know, I just, well, first oh. of all, I, they what? didn't hear the part I cut out of the shit when we were recording this about your dog. <laughs> oh yeah, I think uh, Tank has got his n- little noggin knocked uh, well, on the running around like crazy. Uh, yeah, Abby had to brought him up. I was like, yeah, I think he's hurt. And I'm like, I'll be down in a minute. He's fine. Uh, no, I didn't say that. But, um, so yeah, my Abby was riding Drax the other day, and we went on a trail ride, and I was riding Zeus, and. I, everything was great on, and that was on Thursday, Thanksgiving morning, went for a nice hack. And then Friday morning, he's like super lame. And you know, you think, Oh, abscess or Which something. One's Drax or, again, remind everybody. Drax is a five-year-old thoroughbred gelding that I sold this summer. The whole That's shoe right. thing, you know, he, Oh, back. he won't yeah. trot. He won't go faster than a trot comes back. He has no front feet. So I just put some shoes on him and miraculously he's been fine up until I don't know what happened. So I thought, well, maybe it's an abscess. It's hind, hind left and it hasn't gotten any better. My farrier came out, did the hoof testers, didn't find anything. So I, I mean, and so I had a lady come out and do um, a treatment on him, like a, who he, you know, little fun blanket thing session. And uh, she's thinking he's up in his pelvis and his hips, which I never think it's in the hips, but it really looks like it's his pelvis. So I hope he didn't slip and do something, you know. So he's going to the vet today and then... Also realize like making a contact with Zeus, he gets really mad. And then I remembered I haven't floated his teeth in like two years. <laughs> so he's going to go get his teeth done. I forgot about that. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so you're going to do both? Have them checked? And, yeah, both know. of them are gone. And yeah. I have to go to the vet. So yeah. Fun thing. And it's raining. So I have to load horses in the rain. It's going to be awesome. And cold. Can't wait. Yeah. So this morning we had something fun happen. These are the fun things of living in the far, uh, farm life. Uh, it, we're all with, you know, your own pump and well and all that stuff. Is uh, It got down to 27, which, uh, like, for a long time overnight, which never happens in Florida. So we don't worry about it much. We, you know, run the dribble of the water out of the spigots so the pipes don't freeze. But this morning we had no water, and apparently one of the electric parts on the pump froze. 
So the landlord went out and it's get, getting that fixed up. So we'll actually have water. But you know, it's it's always something when you live on a farm. <laughs> so, so. Yeah, no you're kidding. lucky because it's all new. But there's probably still issues, actually. Oh, well, new. What nightmare did I live in for the past year and a half? <laughs> That's true. Is that little house still alive, still running, the old dead one? Yeah. yeah. I've rented it out. Well, I've, I, it's not public knowledge, but I rented it out to the girl who farms it for us. So, and that's a, working. Ooh. Well, that's a, that's a good deal, huh? Right? Uh, <laughs> like, you want to live in there? Really? You've yeah. stayed in there before. You sure? Yeah, you want to uh, live there? And then take care of my horses, too. <laughs> yeah, so she lives on the property, so it's nice. And I've just got everything is humming along. Um, and the the things here, you know, there's a well house here. So right. in anywhere where, not Florida. Is it so No, okay. it, but it's cinder block. It's, oh, it covers uh, it up. It's, yeah. it's ready for, you know a tornado. <laughs> so cinder block walls are terrible. Yeah. It was funny when we first moved to Florida, I looked around everybody's yards and I said, what are those tanks in the middle of the yards for? It's just, everybody has their water tanks and their pumps out in the middle of the yard. <laughs> are those like gas tanks? Yeah. No, they're just water tanks and your pump is out in the open. There's no, most people don't even have little houses around them. Wow. So, yeah, they do it here. I know when it started to get really cold, uh, in the tiny home we put a <laughs> a heat lamp from like when i had baby chicks <laughs> do what you gotta do baby <laughs> well we, we have a guest tomorrow that's coming on that uh on the dressage or on the driving show with dr wendy she's also a veterinarian she's one of the premier veterinarians for birds in the world and yes. she's going to come back on and talk about chickens with us. So uh, we're going to get her back on our show with you and I to talk about cool. veterinarian chickens, because so many of our listeners have chickens now, thanks to you. So Just so you know, we also talked when she was co-hosting with me about adjusting. She did chiropractic and acupuncture on her chicken. So we'll have to talk to her about that. Oh, there you go. All right, cool. <laughs> All right, go take your horses to the vet, and we'll see everybody tomorrow. Okay, bye.